Thanks for downloading this Centre for the History of Medicine in Ireland podcast. For more information on the centre, go to ucd.ie forward slash history forward slash chomi. In this episode, a recording from the medical training, student experience and the transmission of knowledge circa 1800 to 2014 symposium, which took place in the UCD Humanities Institute in October 2014. The symposium was organised by Laura Kelly of University College Dublin and was generously supported by the Irish Research Council and the Wellcome Trust. Podcasting was by Real Smart Media. In this episode, a recording from Panel 3, Educational Tools and Spaces. The paper, Mutual Instruction Among Morbid Anatomy Students, the first Société Anatomique de Paris, 1803-1809, was given by Florent Palliot of Poitiers City Library. On uh, 12th Rimer, year 12, you've heard that uh, French Republican calendar yesterday with Natalie, which is 4th December uh, 1803, 28 medical students uh, and a young surgeon and professor of anatomy gathered in the small teaching hospital adjoining the Paris Medical School, and they founded the Société Anatomique de Paris. After four and a half years of regular meetings, however, the society disappeared. Uh, despite its short life, it became known as the first Société Anatomique, and it provides insights about the emergence of morbid anatomy as a distinct medical discipline, and about the hesitant beginnings of a new system of medical education in the early 19th century in Paris. It also reveals the struggles of the Paris School of Medicine to organize instruction in accordance with its prescribed role, and the efforts of students to assert their place at a time of professional and political turmoil. And it also confirms, once again, there are many examples, um, how much learned societies are dependent upon the personality and commitment of a handful of members. Uh, so just a few, uh, a few things on the context, educational and professional context. When the Société met for the first time in late 1803, the Parisian Medical School was not even 10 years old, um, and it was still adapting to changing professional patterns. Indeed, the French medical education at the time looked strikingly different from what it had been before the revolution. And in the early uh, 1790s, the revolutionaries considered that the uh, Ancien Régime social structure and its educational system uh, perpetuated the privileges of birth and fortune, and therefore they reorganized it to fit more egalitarian ideals. Medical and surgical institutions and traditions were swept away and replaced with new establishments and regulations. So in March 91, uh, the Dallard Law abolished all corporations, including medical and surgical guilds, and opening a period of medical laissez-faire where anyone could legally offer medical advice and perform surgical operations, provided they paid a, a practice tax. And in August 1792, the legislators went further and abolished all teaching institutions, including medical faculties and colleges of surgery. With medical instruction in disarray, students resorted to private courses offered by uh, reputed practitioners in hospitals and private theaters. However, the country at large was then at war with several of its neighbors and no longer possessed a ready source of skilled medical men for the army and the navy. So in 1794, uh, new legislation created uh, three medical schools tailored to the needs of the state at the time. Uh, there were state-run teaching establishments inspired by the Enlightenment ideals of competitive access, democratization, meritocracy, 
and high standards. So these three schools in Paris, Montpellier and Strasbourg, were named um, schools of health, École de Santé. Um, they, their main purpose, most urgent purpose, was to train military surgeons. Um, and the, the name École de Santé, which did not refer to either medicine or surgery, symbolized the fusion the, uh, between the, 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 those two disciplines. They, these three schools were not conceived as a complete national system of medical education, and they could not replace uh, the former network of 17 medical faculties and 15 surgical colleges, nor could they instruct the entire profession. Instead, they were intended for the elite of uh, hospital and military practitioners, and only accepted carefully selected students who received free instruction in return for their service in the military. That's the élève de la patrie. Um, in my slide. Initially, the Paris School was only meant to train 300 students. However, that was not enough, and um, many more students came to Paris to study. So in September 1997, um, other students were allowed to register, and they quickly numbered 1,200. So in, in, among that mass of students, it soon became necessary to set apart the best uh, students. To this end, the uh, practical school of dissection, was, uh, which had been founded in 1750, was recreated at the College of Surgery. Um, and it uh, not only offered facilities for anatomical exploration and surgical training to all students, it also served as a nurturing institution for the medical school elite. Uh, every year, the school of dissection recruited approximately 40 uh, first-year students through a competitive examination. And over their three-year studies, they, these students received a free supply of bodies for dissection and easy access to the chemistry laboratory. <coughs> Despite a thorough curriculum, the schools of health were hampered by their inability to confer medical degrees, which had disappeared with the uh, pre-revolutionary universities. <coughs> With a mere certificate of achievement, those uh, alumni were unable to distinguish themselves or to set themselves apart from the mass of practitioners who received more basic training. Um, so there was a, a growing demand for a better control of the medical profession. Um, that's why a decree of uh, 11 March 1803 ended the complete deregulation of medicine and creating uh, a dual system of medical education. Uh, the degrees of Doctor of Medicine and Doctor of Surgery were reinstated, um, defining a first category of practitioners entitled to practice both branches of medicine anywhere in France, and they would be trained at those uh, schools of health. Uh, a second lower category of practitioners, the health officers, were expected to pursue a more modest curriculum um, and were restricted to specific areas, uh, like departments, like counties. Meanwhile, the unification of Parisian um, hospitals under a single municipal body in January 1801 allowed the creation of the internat in 1802, by which the hospital council recruited students to fill junior hospital positions, again, through a competitive examination. And in turn, it provided these students with many opportunities for clinical observations. So that's a, a picture of the Paris Medical School with the school itself on the left and on the right, the new uh, dissection school. 
in the background, you also see the building that uh, Natalie showed you yesterday, um, which, again, was part of the medical faculty. By 1803, medical science has also undergone critical transformations. In Paris, as in, any, as in other major European cities, physicians had begun to give precedence to practical medicine over theory, and uh, influencing that by uh, the Enlightenment emphasis on observation and experimentation and the progress of surgery. Morbid anatomy had emerged as a fruitful scientific pursuit. And in Paris, specifically, um, Jean-Nicolas Corvizard and Xavier Bichat um, started opening corpses of patients deceased while treated at the hospital in order to verify the lesions diagnosed during the patient's lives. Their knowledge were then passed on to students, and the central role of anatomy and clinical science in the medical curriculum increased as more and more students attended hospital rounds and dissections. Morbid anatomy as such was not taught at the School of Health, um, but private lessons were uh, widely available. And in 1802, for example, uh, Xavier Bichat gave 80 lectures on morbid anatomy, and he attracted a large audience of students. Um, he was also a successful... Um, I mean, he successfully published three um, treaties on membranes, on physiological research on life and death, and, and on general anatomy. So it's in this context that um, followed um, Bichat's untimely death in 1802 that uh, many students where well, many students tried to um, pay, due, pay their due, pay tribute sorry to, um, to Bichat and also try to pursue his work in morbid anatomy and physiology uh, that this group of students gathered and created the, the, the Société Anatomique at the end of 1803. Indeed, Bichat had opened a, an immense field of research, and um, um, it, it's not surprising at the time that they, they, they thought they could uh, continue his work. Most of what we know about the Société Anatomique at the time comes from uh, two-minute books uh, from the meeting, which have survived until today. Uh, they cover the period 1803 to 1804, and then 1807 to 1809, and unfortunately, we've lost... Uh, the central one, 1804 to 1807. But we do know part of its content through publications in, in 1845. So although the minutes do not provide the name of the man or the men who uh, first uh, conceived the idea of the Société Anatomique, uh, my, the most likely influence, and my guess anyway, is that um, in, in that group of advanced students, René Teofilainek was uh, the, leading, the leading man. Um, he was born in 1781, so he was only 21, uh, or 22, sorry. And he trained in Nantes in the provinces under his, his uncle, himself a, a professor at the Nantes uh, faculty who had traveled ex extensively to um, Germany and also had attended um, St. George's Hospitals, uh, John, John Hunter's uh, lectures. So Leinek, after some time in the army as a surgeon, uh, came to Paris in April 1801 to complete his studies. He successfully competed to uh, become a member of the uh, School of Dissection and also won the first uh, medicine prize and the first surgery prize in 1802, so already quite a, a brilliant student. 
So the minutes indicate that 34 students had signed a draft of the society statutes before that first meeting. But on the first meeting itself, a 35th um, man joined them. Uh, that's Guillaume Dupuytren on the right, uh, who at the time was the head of the anatomical works at the School of Dissection. Um, he'd also been a private teacher in anatomy and physiology for a few years, uh, working closely with Bichat. He was 26 at the time and already acknowledged as one of the most promising surgeons. He'd completed his training before uh, the regulation in 1803, so when um, degrees were reinstated, uh, he rushed to write a thesis and become a medical doctor. Um, so he was just really only qualified in September, and the society was created in December. Because he was the oldest member, the most experienced, he was logically, Dupuytren, elected as president, with Laennec as vice president. There is no specific information on why Dupuytren wanted to join this student society, but we can easily speculate. Um, he probably hoped to carry out uh, Bichat's legacy by himself uh, and to also to fashion his own medical society. Uh, again, like Bichat had done with the Société Médicale d'Emulation, another society that he had been created in the 1790s. However, for all of his talent and skill, Dupuytren was a man consumed with ambition and eager to see his rivals fail. With Bichat dead, with Corvizar now uh, very busy devoting his time to Napoleon, who was his patient, um, and after having made both Leinec and Bale, another student, uh, another brilliant student, his assistants, Dupuytren was left with no rival in the field of morbid anatomy. He kept promising to write a treatise on morbid anatomy, so all he needed in order to do that was time and numerous uh, clinical and pathological observations. So of course, presiding over a group of dedicated and hardworking students was certainly a means to achieve that goal. Um, I'll just talk briefly about a previous student society, um, the Société d'Instruction Médicale, which uh, was created also uh, in, in at the, 1799, just a few years earlier, and which uh, specialized in clinical observations. Um, again, Corvizar was um, a major influence, but the society was uh, specifically headed by uh, his assistant, um, Jean-Jacques Leroux d'Etillet, and uh, they, the students uh, wrote hundreds of clinical, uh, very detailed clinical observations, over, specifically over the period 1799 to 1805, 1808. Uh, this society probably was a model for the Société Anatomique when it was created in 1803. Um, so before moving on to the society's work in itself, let me give you some information about its organization. It was conceived as a mutual instruction society and as such created with only six uh, articles. Then a few more were added to create a treasurer, to pay for diplomas, etc. Um, until finally July 1807, they made a new, new statutes of 40 articles, which unfortunately are not known because we've lost that uh, minute book. But uh, they, the new statutes made a distinction between resident members and associate members. They also created an administrative commission and a scientific commission which was supposed to uh, validate uh, the, new, the new members. The weekly meetings followed the pattern that is common to many learned societies. Uh, the secretary read the minutes of the previous meeting for approval. Um, then the first candidate or member presented a clinical observation or an 
which was an autopsy report most of the time, or the account of experiments completed in the lab. And these presentations were followed by discussions which allowed members to confront their views and personal experience. And then after the presentations, the debate focused on an issue selected by the president during the previous meeting. Um, at first, only those medical students who, was, who were um, school of dissection students, so recruited to a competitive exam, belonged to the society. However, the society itself was not conceived as a restricted entity uh, where new members would be carefully selected. All students were eligible, provided they asked formally to become members. Until 1808, the society convened almost every week, um, except during holidays, uh, summer holidays. Um, and in 1808, sorry, uh, it was decided that meetings would be held fortnightly, mostly because there, weren't enough, there wasn't enough attendance at that time to, uh, to they didn't have enough observations to present for weekly meetings. Uh, they also changed the time to uh, reconvene from 7 p.m. to um, uh, the, the, to early afternoon because uh, late evening was very inconvenient for anatomical research due to uh, lack of light. At the beginning of each meeting, all attendants were supposed to sign a presence sheet, but we only have traces of that for the first minute book. The loss of these archives makes it difficult to evaluate the number of members between 1803 and 1809. During the first six meetings, 28 students joined the, third, the 34, uh, 35 with Dupuytren founding members. The number of members then rose to 108 in November 1804, but it started dwindling after that, and we'll see why in a second. So that's the minutes for the first uh, session in, in very nice early 19th century handwriting. And the name of the, you see, citizens uh, who were members of the society. And the attendance sheet where you can see the signatures of uh, Dupuytren, Lainé, and others. Although the society had been conceived as a simple student meeting, the members quickly wished to make it more formal. Uh, we've seen that it, it went through the statutes to make, me, make it more formal. Uh, because for young medical students, uh, it represented the opportunity to gain knowledge and experience, obviously, but also a title. With so, medical me so many medical men recognized as doctors or officiers de santé health officers only because of their previous experience or previous education, but without a real degree, um, <coughs> it was important to really make a difference uh, in the profession. So a diploma like this one elevated its holder to the rank of, of member of a learned society. They also, there was some lengthy debate about how the, the stamp of the society should look like. They had grand designs, but um, uh, they, ha they didn't have the money to um, have something nice. This, the member of the society really formed the elite of medical students. Um, with 108 members, it covered almost the 120 members of the School of Dissection. So almost the entirety of that school was a member of the uh, Société Anatomique. Also, we can see that uh, most of them had positions in hospitals, so they were clerks, dressers, and we can trace them through their careers, and many of them indeed had flourishing careers, especially when they decided to uh, remain in Paris, 
several were private professors. There were seven or eight faculty professors and about 15 hospital practitioners. Also, one-third of them became members of the Academy of Medicine, which, I mean, more than a third, which is, is quite impressive. The main goal of the society was uh, mutual instruction, and this, the scope of their uh, discussions were normal and pathological anatomy and physiology. Uh, but they also, that they mainly gave a prominent place to morbid anatomy. It was indeed one of the few institutions that were entirely dedicated to morbid anatomy at a time where that uh, science hadn't emerged really as an independent subject. Indeed, at the time, uh, the chair, there was a single chair of anatomy and physiology at the uh, medical school, and the two branches were only formally separated in 1823. Bichat, Leinec, and Dupuytren were the first French doctors to dedicate so much time and energy to that science and Dupuytren even claimed to have been the first to teach morbid anatomy as a separate discipline, and he therefore sought to claim a founding role in this science. In a way, he did accomplish that when, upon his death in 1835, he bequeathed money to the, facult to the Paris faculty for the creation of a chair of pathological anatomy. Sorry, clearly my paper is too long. I'm going to have to try and cut <laughs> some of it. Um, they spent their time demonstrating specimens. Uh, that's mostly what they uh, dealt with uh, in, in the society. So they would demonstrate specimen, and a debate would follow. They also set up committees designed to study specific questions further or to carry out experiments, specifically uh, chemical experiments on tissues. Bisha had done a lot of study on, on specific tissues, especially pathological tissues, and they really uh, spent a lot of time trying to distinguish cancerous tissues from cysts and from other types of, of tissues. Um, there are lengthy discussions about that. They spent a lot of time on tuberculosis, and later on, Leinec obviously became a very uh, a specialist of, of, um, of that field. Most of the specimens presented originated from the dissecting rooms and were not accompanied by clinical information. So as a rule, it's not that they neglected clinical information, but they just didn't have it, and therefore their point of view was a bit skewed in that way. Um, they, for, uh, I guess in other disciplines, they would get the, the clinical point of view and start from the patient all the way to the cadaver. But for these specific discussions, their, uh, topic, uh, their starting topic was uh, what they found on the corpse. So it was sometimes difficult to carry out and to, to find information about the, the dead patient, even though they had a network of fellow students in the other hospitals where they could uh, tap for, for some information. Uh, so that's some of the discussions about tuberculosis. Um, moving on to uh, the fact that they ended up creating quite a, 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 an amount of um, observations and medical notes, so more than 100, more than, sorry, 350 uh, papers related to observations, which is um, quite, quite a bit. Unfortunately, all these papers disappeared between 1814 uh, and 1826, finishing up quickly on the demise and rebirth of that society. Um, despite research of quality, the society dwindled quickly because by uh, 1806, most of the founders had graduated and left the medical school, and they did not manage to recruit new, new students. 
But the main reason, apart from political reasons such as new conscription laws in 1805, the main reason of the demise of the society was a bitter rivalry, bitter rivalry, uh, rivalry sorry, between its two greatest contributors, Dupuytren and Laennec. Uh, in early 1805, they started a very public quarrel um, via articles in the medical press. Um, Laennec accusing Dupuytren of abusing his position and stealing his ideas. Uh, specifically in the division of pathological uh, tissues. And um, so Dupitrin replied with, in a, a very uh, uh, severe tone. Um, it, he also mentioned that at the Société Dupitrin, that at the Société Anatomique, um, Leinec refused to really take part in, in the committee that had been designed to really review all the points uh, that should be debated about uh, morbid anatomy and was keeping uh, everything for himself. My personal opinion is that Dupuytren was keeping everything for himself, but in any case, uh, there was no one to say who was right and who was wrong, but the quarrel proved disastrous for the society. Um, position uh, became untenable. Dupuytren was the strong man because he was uh, uh, head of uh, anatomical works, he was already a surgeon, um, Leinec was only starting uh, to practice. So they were, Leinec left, and then soon after Dupuytren left as well because his, uh, his um, prestige had suffered. New presidents were elected, but they didn't manage to revive the meetings. Leinec returned finally in July of 1807, this time as president, but it was too late, and he, despite a, a big meeting that he organized in late December 1808, uh, the society died by April of the following year. There was an attempt to recreate the society again with Leinec as president in 1814, but it didn't last. So in conclusion, it was, this society was composed of dynamic young members eager to learn, but this usefulness, youthfulness, sorry, was both an asset and a handicap. Although the society benefited from the collaboration of dozens of very talented men, it eventually succumbed to the rivalry between uh, two of the most brilliant French medical men of the time. Without the leadership of either Dupuytren or Laennec, the society would probably never have had held more than a few meetings. Without the quarrel, it might have survived uninterrupted until today. Fortunately, it was destined to live again. Um, on 12 January 1826, it was recreated by the newly appointed professor of anatomy, Jean Cruvelier, and under his presidency, all the way to 1873, uh, it um, reached new heights, uh, mainly thanks to the quality of its monthly publications, its bulletin. And as it so happens, this société is still active today through two outshoots, the Société Anatomique on one side and the French, society of Patholo French Pathology Society. Leinec obviously uh, died that same year in 1826 and did not see the rebirth of his uh, dear society. Thank you. Sorry for that.